0: Ready?
1: Hello, and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 30-1 of the show, the start of season 30, world 30. This this is a huge, monumental moment. 30 worlds. That's a big game. That's a big, big game, Bernal. Oh, we're your hosts. My name is Rob. And I'm broke. And every week we listen to great video game music of all consoles and all generations. You're not broke.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) In the last two weeks, the hits that came to me, they were all self-inflicted, mind you, but still. (laughs) I had had to get blood work done. I got to get an MRI soon. I bought, uh, got my OLED Switch. In the mail. That's talking about, about the real stuff here. You got the, you got the Switch. Oh yeah, I, had to, I had to get the painful
1: stuff out of the way, but then I got the Switch. Oh, you moved your data over?
0: Oh, yeah. It took me all weekend to that, move that 900
1: gigs. That was an investment of time. 900? Yeah, almost a terabyte. Almost a terabyte of
0: game data on the Switch. I had to move over. I tried to copy it off the hard drive, off the memory card to a hard drive. Yeah. They said it will take 21 hours because I don't have a hard drive on the actual computer I can handle, so I was going to do it from, a, from the memory stick to an external Right. Oh, so I was like, that wasn't happening. So I quit and just accepted that I got to download it all off the server, which freaks me out when it comes to like the idea of like maintaining data when the switch eventually dies or Nintendo Store shuts down or whatever's going to happen. Right. Um, but I'll have to figure that out soon. But I did that and moved all the data over, and now I'm like trying to like juggle what games to play. I got Metroid Dread in the mail. I'm mm-hmm. ready to get into that, but I started playing Metroid Fusion first. Mm-hmm. So now I'm playing that, and I'm playing Gloomhaven on the, which is a board game, but it's got a digital version now. So How is that? that. Oh, it's really cool. It's weird because Gloomhaven to me as a board game
1: was intended to be like a video game yes. RPG like well yeah I was just thinking like Scythe mm-hmm. the board game has like the the whole game has like it's just video gamey elements all over it. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like it makes sense because it is video gamey but you put it into a video game, and it's just like another video game. It's like another video game, yeah. exactly. So it's weird
0: that I'm, like, I'm playing this, and that's going to be a large part of my review when I do it, is the idea of, does a board game meant to sort of be like a video game that becomes another video game still maintain this level of fun? And so far, it does. It just seems weird mm. in that, do I want to just go back and play Gloomhaven? The answer's probably going to be no, because... <laughs> The board game has so many bits and bobbles. And I was pieces. gonna say
1: the board game box is like the biggest box ever made for board games. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of bees.
0: It's a lot of bees. It's a lot of bees. <laughs> but then the other thing I bought in addition to the OLED Switch was uh, I succumbed to my usual habit of buying discounted money. Uh, I had a one day offer Target. Was like you Get know ten percent off. Back on that grind. Back I on the grind. Yeah, it was like ten percent right. off uh, store credit to Target. And I bought the maximum allowed amount that you could buy mm-hmm. to save 50 friggin' dollars. Right. And it was like, why would you do that? But I'm like, because I save 50 bucks on money. Right. And I'm going to spend the money for groceries and video games and Look, furniture and let lamps. Let our listeners know,
1: discounted money is the best money.
0: It's the best money. The best. And then you feel better when, and this happened the other day, remember you said you bought Trails, the board game, right? Yeah. So I'm at the store. And I've always been curious about Parks, but I'm like, I ain't going to buy Parks. Did they have them. Parks there? Yeah. Well, oh. they, they had Parks. I bought the last copy because
1: <laughs> they had a there.
0: sale this week,
1: 25% off I, one I, tour. I would have gone for that if I had seen it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was 25 Now you can't. Otherwise, we'll double down. You oh, got to right. play my copy of Parks. And then you got to play our copy of Trails. Exactly. That's yep. how the system works. Um. Now... Like they had, it was like twenty five percent off of one board game. In addition to that, the game itself had gotten marked down by ten bucks for some reason. Oh. And then I had my Target Circle, plus I had some Target Circle earnings, plus I had my discounted money from the mm. gift cards. So I bought a discounted game that had a second discount. Target Circle earnings plus my discounted store credit was used to pay for it, which brought the price from like fifty dollars to about twenty. So I was like. What's not to like? <laughs> I don't even know. And that was also why I was able to justify. I'm like twenty bucks. Who the heck cares? But that's how Pernell gets a lot of his video games. Aside from it, if it's not a review, it's probably discounted store credit or discounted uh, eShop credit. Something's getting discounted when I'm buying something. It feels good. It's almost a friggin' addiction to get discounted things. It's yes, a habit. That should be an episode
1: title. Discounts. That's that's, that's that's next week. <laughs> episode Discounts! <laughs> Discounted. You're gonna be you gonna talk about all, all the games you got on discount, which is gonna be a, a lot more. Or you know you gotta talk about your like your best discounts ever. Oh, that could be a trip. Honestly, the best discount, the whole
0: episode would just be Kmart. Just <laughs> Kmart. Because Kmart was that was the jam slam. I won't go into it if we're doing an actual topic on it, right? right now. <laughs> because that God jeez, I miss Kmart so much. That wasn't a that was an addiction. Oh, I remember the
1: Kmart. I remember. I remember your Kmart. Kmart kicks. they like a scam because. Oh, I know because we were going to see uh, Mike when he lived down in, in Virginia, and he'd be like, "Oh, another Kmart stop.
0: Gotta <laughs> <laughs> stop at Kmart. Got Gotta <laughs> go to <laughs> Kmart."
1: <laughs> they don't know me down
0: there. <laughs> it was a trip, man. The <laughs> <In> circuit <certain> cities. <laughs> there was always that where you get like the discount and then take them over to GameStop. Yeah. Man, I had a system. Oh, I had man. systems. Man. We all we had one Those with a friend, friend. we called the Randall scandal. The Randall scandal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! So many fond memories of getting good deals.
1: You're like um. You're like 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 the the group of con men going into into the into the the casino in Las Vegas, and you're like, okay, well, we're gonna give them the old razzle dazzle, and then we're gonna give them the Phil Collins. You know the Phil Collins special, and like and like that means is a specific con, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going into the Kmart, and you're like, we're giving them the. Randall's scandal. Randall's scandal. And here's the beauty of it, though. Ultimately,
0: I made sure, in a way, it was I, how I'm going to say it, but I made sure to never lie. You live by a code. I live by a code like, to not lie. Like Dexter. That's right. There's a <laughs> Dexter code. You don't lie, <laughs> but there's there's no shame and omission.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it works. That's funny. Um. wow. Well. Ah, what did I do this weekend? I We did apple picking this weekend. I mean, oh. we got so many apples there's pie coming apple sauce coming so yeah so Saturday when apple picking I eat like four apples just walking around you just because you're picking them and you're like how just, do they
0: charge uh, you for the apples if you're eating them while you walk you charge
1: to get in and, you, and they pay you charge they charge you for a box
0: so basically you could be that guy who pays out. money and just goes under a tree and just eats apples all day and then fills the box up and takes those apples home.
1: That's what we did.
0: <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. So that, many
1: that poor boy walks with all these rhymes. It was beautiful. Um Piles if, you're Pen- of apple if, if you're in Pennsylvania, go to Lynn Villa Orchards, it was very pretty. Well it they was- have
0: good hot sauces out right here
1: too. Oh, they have, the place was huge they have I, mean, I didn't get a chance to see everything we spent almost all of our time in the orchard and it was packed There were so many people there but um no, so um, then yesterday we ended up which was sunday we ended up making uh applesauce double batch of applesauce um i made uh apple bread which Apple bread, amazing so good apple bread, apple bread. <laughs> <laughs> what else did i make well oh, we put apples and oatmeal um So many apples. Put apples in the salad. Apple salad, Pernell. (laughs) Just start throwing apples. I still have this giant box of apples. I'll have to make make more apple bread. It was really good. I I made a, um, it's a Swedish tea ring, which is an enriched dough with like sugar and butter in it. And then I make an apple filling and I fill it in there and I wrap it up. So it's like spiraled and then I bake it. So it's like this big thing. But (laughs) I posted it, I think in the discord Mm -hmm. under Rob's bread basket channel. (laughs) And it looks like a giant monster blob. But then um, uh, Rachel, our, my cousin came over yesterday. We watched a, a movie, and uh, and it was amazing. I cut it open, and the filling was evenly distributed. Gooey, gooey. It was cooked perfectly. Gooey, it was gooey. Super gooey. And I, I made a glaze. I put a glaze on top of it. Oh yeah. It just looked terrible. Uh, it was. Poop, a, it was that? Amazing. Looks terrible, but tastes great. Is the but with, with bread that's different? Because so if it looks terrible and like misshapen, that means that it might not be cooked thoroughly. Uh oh. Because one, one one spot might be bigger than the other. Uh huh. No, so, so you were concerned. I was very concerned.
0: And it's sad to hear Uh-oh. this, too, because on no, I want to hear, like, you're like, I have tons of apples, we're bigger all this stuff, meanwhile, last and I just threw away a bag of apples from the grocery store, because in usual Pernell fashion, it, it all went bad. Look at my
1: disapproving look.
0: It's a big look, and I get it. I can't does keep it help that I'm from dressed going like,
1: bad. Does it, does it help that I'm dressed like a high school English teacher? You really are. <laughs> He's got one of those, like, flannel vests. I'm just looking for him to pull out a pipe. No, no, this is actually sweatshirt material.
0: Yeah, the material, the actual See, material doesn't matter. We know what it looks I like. I got this from Old Navy because it looked like like cool. It was like, Graham, and, hello, I'm a, I'm a wise yeah, professor. I am like, I'm going to dress my age. <laughs> hello, everyone. I hope you're, hope you're ready to learn today because I have a lot to impart upon thee. The world is a turbulent and crazy place. <laughs> the world is a vampire.
1: <laughs> and I'm here to suck <laughs> your knowledge. Set to drain. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so uh, this week... We are doing another composer focus, but we're doing a music of the composer focus and we're going to get into that. We're looking at the music of Koichi Sugiyama, mm-hmm. famous for Dragon Quest and all the dragons that quested for them. Yeah, and all the all the all the subsequent Dragon Quests that came God, there's so many there's so many of them. And dragon Quest is this man's opus. Um, so we're gonna um, start by saying we understand a lot of the man's problematic views if you want to learn more about them go to wikipedia.com funny enough I only learned about them because when the, when it was announced that he passed
0: away I uh, was already like oh no it's unfortunate I'm sorry you know so I went to do my you know you know my my goodwill wishes and like a friend of mine had already been there before me and he was like he just like he just blasted him like yeah. the thing is like yeah well wishes to the blank the blank the blank like whoa yeah this dude is not cool <gasps> yeah. at so all.
1: definitely um, we're definitely not condoning um, um, any, anything but any of this guy's views but um but an absolute musical master mm-hmm. so and we're gonna talk a bit about that so let's just start from the top and then we'll get into some music I I don't know we. Classic Robin Purnell style. You don't know what I picked. I don't know what you picked. Which means we might be doubling up. I went super early days.
0: I went all over the place.
1: Okay, great. (laughs) That helps. Okay, so uh, he died um, this year in September um, at the age of 90. So he was born in... Nineteen
0: thirty one. And fun fact: he was actually up until his death the
1: oldest living game composer. Oh, that that makes sense. That that all tracks. He was classically trained in the fifties, and then went on to directing and composing for Fuji Television in the sixties, in the seventies, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. He did a uh, Gotcha Man. Oh, that was him. Okay, no, so well,
0: at least one of the movies I'm looking up.
1: Um, so it wasn't until then that um, he then in the eighties contacted Enix and <laughs> sent them a fan letter regarding a shogi game that he loved. And there's just being like, "Hey, I love this game. I think it's fantastic." And Enix was so impressed, and they were shocked that someone of his like caliber in the film industry like wrote to them. And so they were like, "Oh, maybe we should ask him to like do some work, like for do us. some work for us for a game." And so they were like, "All right, well, hey, why not write some music for game? If you like video games, why not write some music games for the PC 88 system?" And so his first project was in 1985. It was called World Golf. And then a year later, he composed a little game called Dragon Quest. And that was the beginning of, well, everything traditional JRPG. Yeah, and then with him, with his uh, classical background, with his orchestral uh, background, symphony background, he went on to do many, many orchestral orchestral arrangements of all the Dragon Quest music. Um, the main theme, the field theme, the heroes theme of, of Dragon Quest comes out through all of the games, mm-hmm. most of which he all composed um, through all of this stuff. In 1995, there was actually a Dragon Quest ballet that went on tour. Really? Can you believe that? But I mean, that's, that's how far this went, and, it, and I think it toured until 1999, um, and so... For today, I thought I would look at some of the games that he made prior to and around the time of Dragon Quest, Okay. so that we can hear some of the influence that he had on some other titles. Okay. Um, but then we're definitely, but you're definitely, we're definitely going to get some Dragon Quest music. Am I right?
0: Mm, I see. Hearing what you just said, there might be very
1: little Dragon Quest on this episode. It'll be <laughs> pretty funny. All right, that's interesting. So we're going to listen to everything but Dragon Quest. <laughs> 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 um. So we should also say um, in the next uh, few episodes, there may be a little bit of a a gap. So there might be a a gap of week coming up or um, a mixtape coming up, which is very possible. And that's just because we have some life stuff going on. We won't be able to get to record right away. Um, And we were planning on recording last week, but then you came over and we just hung out. Mm-hmm. And that happens sometimes. My like like wife will happen. It's like, hey, let's just talk about stuff. And they're like, oh, crap, it's nine o'clock. Yeah, you come over here like, hey, we cooked something. You want to eat with us? Like, yeah, sure. And then, yeah, and then it's like 10 o'clock. And you're like, well, we're not recording tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the time. <laughs> so which is why it's Monday. We're recording today. But uh, but what do you think I say? want to get into some some music? Let's jam up. Do you have any any order of operations you want to get into? Or do you just want to just dive in?
0: Mm, at this moment, not so much. I'm ready to use
1: Partey. Well, this is uh this is the odd number episode. This is the first episode of season thirty. Yeah. Don't mess it up.
0: <laughs> well, Jeebus. Well, I don't think I'm gonna mess up. I think every track I picked is a good one. Oh, so bam. Well, um that's, that's confidence. I'm very confident. So the first track I'm gonna pick is from a game that I didn't know existed until this occurred. And that is called Tetris two plus Bombless. Oh, there is gonna be some overlap. From the Super Famicom, and I chose Music 2 from that game. So let's hear it out. music 2 from the game Tetris 2 Plus Bombless on the Famicom composed by you know <laughs> you always do that you know what I'm talking
1: about Koichi Isugiyama um, so this has a, uh, a Famicom and Super Famicom soundtrack mm-hmm. which, both, both of which are really cool I didn't even
0: realize it because my brain was like just focused on the Famicom version of it and
1: lo and behold there was a Super Nintendo <laughs> 1 too or Super Famicom 1 too I think I, I think I chose a track from the Super Famicom version, but we'll probably listen to that one later on during the show.
0: Also they're not back to yeah. back.
1: So Tetris two, the sequel to Tetris. Now think about this like
0: two things. First, regards to the track itself. Actress. I was surprised like the reason why this gelled for me so much mm-hmm. is that while I'm positive it wasn't intentional because there's no way it could have been, um this surprisingly gave me memories and thoughts of Little Nemo the Dream Master.
1: Yeah, I can get that. Yeah, it that definitely has a very whimsical, childlike sound to it. Oh my gosh. Purnell, childlike? Oh, we watched Paddington Bear. Did you? Wasn't that awesome? Was it good? That was so good. I told you! <laughs> that <laughs> movie! I had no idea! Oh. Like We were watching
0: it and my friend was like, this is one of the only movies on Rotten Tomatoes to have a perfect score. I
1: cried so hard at the beginning.
0: We immediately watched the it sequel was... right after the first movie. It was that good. Oh, there's like, a sequel. Yeah, there's a second one. And it was also really good. Oh,
1: it's amazing. Okay. And people were listening to just like, Paddington Bear. It was like so good. It was so good. Yeah.
0: You feel it in your chest. Like, it's one of those movies oh. you watch <laughs> that just feels good. Like, I can't even convey in words what makes Paddington Bear such an amazing film. But, sweet baby Jesus, it's... <laughs> it's up there for me. And it's stuck with me.
1: <laughs> We're getting loud about it. And, and Christy's like, what movie are you talking about? <laughs> Bag to Bear, wow, of, of course. To bear. Oh, it was so good. Um, so have you played this one, Tetris 2 slash Bombless? Not this Famicom one and not
0: whatever Bombless is. But I do know that in America, we did just get a general Tetris 2. And my understanding was that Bombless was probably what the, version, what the whole bomb aspect of Tetris was. Because... It only existed in Tetris 2. It never right. carried over to any future sequels or anything. But right. there was like this moat where, like, when you
1: made a line that contained a bomb, the bomb would blow up. Right. And so when you make lines, the lines don't just automatically go away. You have to make lines that have these bomb pieces in it that explode. And that's what this bombless thing is. Mm-hmm. That, that's all it is. So I guess in America they just released it as just Tetris 2. But yeah. and, and maybe in, in in Japan or in other parts of the world they were like they had to call it.
0: To they call it, separate it, it Like this it, isn't truly Tetris. This yeah, is an
1: added component. Tetris is so um, iconic. You know, everyone loves Tetris. Everyone knows Tetris. Everyone's played played it a billion hours. Mm. So if you add something new like that, they, maybe they were afraid to call it just Tetris on its own.
0: That's true, and it's funny too because the fact that we have had. Future Tetris games, most notably being that um, super that one Super Tetris where you had, uh, not Super Tetris, that one Tetris game on the PlayStation where you had the Explorer it was digging down, yeah. and there was also most notably Tetris DS, which Tetris had like DS. tons of different cool modes, uh, variations of how to play Tetris.
1: Uh, I, I, I want to dig up my DS just to play that game. I love it,
0: that game. That game is worth owning a DS by itself. Yeah, and I stand behind that. That and also Planet Puzzle League. Those two games, oh. I could own a system just for just those.
1: Which is just upon.
0: But it's the best version of de upon because being able to use the touchscreen to move the pieces, mm-hmm. it kills the issue that Tetris Attack had where you can't even move the cursor fast enough yeah. to keep up with the moves you want to yeah, do. It's
1: all about just touching it with your, with your with your finger.
0: Yeah, so now all of a sudden yeah. those crazy combos are used like... Zoo, 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 and the battles just get ridiculous.
1: Oh, I know. We
0: played. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was I just kicking I those cubes... But, uh, but uh, yeah, this track is a complete banger to me. And to me, I think that's the best part of a lot of puzzle games. Like, if, like cause I've heard people play puzzle games to like Silence or they turn it off or they put other music I'm Like, no dice. I need a quality OST to go with my puzzle games because I want to get zoned into mm-hmm. it. And sometimes when you're really phasing in, you start moving pieces and shifting your body to the music that's playing, and it helps you stay focused. <laughs> like, that's how I was able to do Lumines because Lumines is a music puzzler. And I actually got to the point where I was so good at that game that I actually would have a save. Well, it wasn't a save because you couldn't save it, but I'd have a game that would run and I would have to sleep the system and come back to it the next day. Hmm. And I would play a game of Lumines over the course of multiple days <laughs> because that's just how long I could what play was, without
1: dying. What was that one music game that came out on the Xbox 360 in the arcade? Oh, was our Xbox 360 arcade or whatever. It was really early on. All the proceeds went to a charity. Shine. Chime, yeah. I got way into that game. Chime is good, though. I I played I put hours into that. And that wasn't even super competitive. It was just like trying to make the perfect run every time. But Uh, that's what makes it competitive. You compete with yourself. Yeah. Those are my kinds of games. Playing with myself. All right, we're (laughs) listening to um, one of of, uh, Koichi Sugiyama's er, uh, earlier um, uh, uh, games. This came out in 1989. The game is called Angelus Akuma no Fukuen. Which translates to Angelus Devil's Gospel. This is a uh, detective adventure game, like a like a hard-boiled, like like it's uh, science fictiony. Has anybody ever described a detective as being soft-boiled?
0: Soft-boiled. <laughs> He's
1: just a, a soft-boiled detective who's runny as it gets. And then that dame walked in his, in, in his office. And she said, "I need your help tracking down my late my ex husband. He's such a jerk, and I think he's running drugs." And he just melted like butter.
0: <laughs> See, I thought you were going different. I thought you were going go to drugs.
1: Like, he so hard for her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a soft one. Like, he comes like, "You got to help me find my ex husband." Blah blah. And he responded with, "Well, are you sure he's actually that bad as you say? Maybe you have to reevaluate what you think of him as a person." Like, <laughs> anyway,
1: this is a, dark, a darker, a <laughs> de- d- darker detective story. Um, uh, style adventure game. Looks point and click, looks a mixture of point and click and um, mixture of like a, a dating sim style, like a visual novel style. Mm. And this came out on the PC 8801. We're going to listen to the version using the YM2608 chip, um, which is another FM chip. There's, there's, there's multiple FM chips available on the computer system. We're going to listen to the track Sympathy, which is the Angelus theme version one. All right. All right, here we go. listening to the track Sympathy, which is the Angelus theme from the game Angelus Akuma no Fukuin for the PC 8801 using the sound chip of the Yamaha 2608 composed by Koichi Sugiyama.
0: A soft-boiled jam.
1: (laughs) That's right. Um, I'm it, be on that for a while. A Japanese adventure game on the PC 88, mostly text. Not going to know much about this. Not at all. But um, but definitely has RPG vibes to the music, right?
0: Like I said, I mean, yeah. I feel like that's the thing that's interesting about his work. Like, it, aside from maybe, I will say, aside from maybe the Tetris one, because that did seem very unlike him.
1: I, that, honestly, that last track we listened to sounded like a, like a town theme. Oh, from like a Dragon Quest game? Yeah, I think so.
0: Now i want to go back and confirm it. And in my head, I got to reconcile with my own cranium. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like it just, he does have a distinct style that comes through on his work. Mm-hmm. It's one thing, but at the same time, I will admit it could just be because we're listening to them in sequels and I'm like, but of course it does. But right now I do confidently feel like it right. does have a distinct style and sound to
1: it. Now, it would be interesting if we heard like Dragon Quest themes in other games. Um, hmm. Actually,
0: I think there was is it this one. Rumiaz, I mean, and just like he just maybe accidentally like made it sound a
1: lot like a Dragon Quest, yeah, thing or it just carried over his style. And maybe there's a, there was one game, and we're gonna find it later today where he actually reused the the music Ooh. from Dragon Quest in another game, and it was actually named. So was, I think it might have been a hidden track or like a hidden part of the game that had it included, which I thought was interesting. That's why I like to hear. But hopefully, we get to it later, and I remember what it was. <laughs> but we may not ever not me not ever um, yeah I have not played many adventure games and just in general like when, when you you get review copies do you get any review copies for like these uh, these kind of text adventures or visual novels that you ever get through
0: um I can't recall too many times where I've gotten like visual novel ones that usually might if they do exist they probably go to other reviewers mm. uh, with that said though text adventure games for years, I didn't bother with them. It wasn't my wheelhouse. Um, like, people talk like for example, Amanda Laprie does, like, these playthroughs of games like The Uninvited and Deja Vu. Oh, that's true. And it. all those Shadowgate.
1: Yeah, those are oh, all, like, in the She was doing the Dragon Quest series for a while. Yeah, she yeah. was.
0: She's good at that. She does great work with those streams, honestly. Um, but like, I... I couldn't get to those games back in the day. It just didn't click for me. I didn't understand mm-hmm. what made them fun or enjoyable. That would also include, unfortunately, Princess Tomato and the Salad Kingdom. <laughs> um, but when Phoenix Wright came along, that was my first foray into like adventure games because I just liked the idea of a video game where you played an attorney. <laughs> like it just seemed weird. Like who makes a game like this and how does it work? So I bought it and I was hooked so then at that point I was like okay I gotta find more games like this and then of course then Rompa came along and I yeah. played the heck out of Danganronpa I,
1: I always think it's funny when like they don't record like like the, like the characters show up on the screen. They do it's like maybe usually got a slight animation to them, but not a full animation. And then there's text at the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. But there's no like voice acting. It's just the voice actor going ha ha, and they <laughs> just read, w- reads, read, and then it just it can uh, evoke like an emotion from the character without reading the full text. I
0: actually prefer that. Like there's yeah. one, there's funny. I remember when we were kids and they first started doing voice work in games, and it was so amazing. Like oh wow, they can do voices in games now. And it was cool when you had these like tiny snippets. Everyone's like, "Okay, here's this one dramatic scene where they talk," and then the rest was text. But now that every game voices like everything, it lost a lot of its luster. Like, because one, they use the same voice actors across multiple games. That's true. And you can only dive. You can only um, you know change your voice, but so much, right? Which is funny because we're gonna have an episode later about like with voice work, which is going to be like funny in regards to me talking about this now. But then the second part is that if you're the type of person who can read faster than these characters are talking, yes, and the game won't let you skip it, yep. you're kind of at the mercy of them talking through the dialogue. And sometimes, this is maybe just me, if I can skip it, but they're talking, I feel weird for skipping it because they're actually talking. It's almost oh. like I'm
1: cutting off a human. I did that with Persona 5, where I... I'm oh, sorry. I'm still doing Persona 5. <laughs> <Subday. laughs> let, let me correct myself. Um, where like they'll be talking. You see that look I gave you? Yeah, I know. I got that <laughs> look. The disapproving look. That disapproving look I gave you earlier. Um, and then they'll be talking. And then i am already read the subtitle. Cause I leave subtitles on anyway. And then I just, I'd like, they're like, like, Hey, Ryuji, but, and then they just stop. And then the next thing, Oh, where are you? Do-? And then they just stop. and they say the next thing, which I'm sure if someone in the other rooms listening, they're probably like that, that man's crazy. What, what is he doing in that room? I just turned the I just turned off the voice acting altogether.
0: Yeah. But some parts that's unfortunate only because of this one thing, which is that the one add on that voice work, I feel genuinely conveys adds is delivery. Like, mm. there are, like, there are specific games where they'll have a sequence where, like, the joke is in the delivery, mm-hmm. not in mm-hmm. the text. Right. So the character coming in, a I'm just walking through oh, my God! Right, right,
1: right. If you, like, if you were to read in Seinfeld, like, Kramer's lines, you wouldn't laugh. Mm-hmm. But then when you see him, the actor delivering those lines... That's the funny. You may laugh a little bit. <laughs> you may. You might <laughs> chuckle a bit. You <laughs> might have a chat of, oh, maybe just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to uh, track number two for you.
0: All right, my second track comes from a game that I didn't even know he composed for until this episode. That is Sheeran the Wanderer on the Super Famicom. This is called Old Cedar Road, and I like it. listening to Old Cedar Road from the game Sheeran the Wanderer on the Super Famicom, composed by Koichi Sugiyama. So, fun thing about this, there actually was one prior to this, I believe, but for many people, this is considered to pretty much be the first roguelike game oh. to have come out. But again, I believe there was a... And someone who's listening can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was one Torneko type game. Torneko being like a Dragon Quest merchant. That came out before this, mm-hmm. but that would also explain the connection to why Sugiyama was on this. Because if the first one was related to
1: Dragon Quest, and they right. made a sequel that wasn't, well, <laughs> I gotta say this um, this game—it's just—it's like this music sounds modern to me. Like like modern RPGs and video games sound like this, but I think that's because of his background and his like experience. Like like he just transferred over in. into this. Yeah, and, and this came out with 90, 95 or something? Like, this is incredible. So, like, the funny thing about this, so, like, for me, anyway, this
0: is the first Mystery Dungeon game I ever played, yeah. really got into, anyway, because so, we never got the Super Famicom game, and we never got the, some of the most, like, a number of the sequels, mm. but... Eventually, it got a DS. This one got updated for the Nintendo DS, and so we got the port for that in, like, 2009, maybe? I'm throwing some numbers. I don't remember. But by like, 2009 or so. And oh. it was
1: pretty much this game. Oh, the port of this? Yeah, to the Nintendo DS. Uh, we got it in 2008.
0: Oh, so I, oh, I, was, yeah, I close. was close. Um, so I bought it. It was like, I want to see all the fusses about with these whole these mystery dungeon games. What's the deal? And they are... Addictive and brutal (laughs) Like you know I always tell people to Like I don't say get good and like contempt, Like you know some of the internet boys would Mm. But I'm always like you just gotta get better You gotta improve you'll make it Just keep pushing You'll get better despite the game being difficult Mystery dungeon games say You suck (laughs) And you're not gonna get better You can try But you'll never beat me that's what Mystery Dungeon games pretty much say. And to this day, I've never fully completed a Mystery Dungeon game. They're so wrong. So the concept behind them generally is that you are placed on a map. The map is randomly generated, and there are a bunch of like, generally rectangular rooms connected by hallways. They, they almost never go beyond that concept, right? Now, every time you take a step or a movement, Everything in the dungeon floor, even the things you can't see, also take an action. So, you might get messages if it's doing something that ASCII will impact you negatively. Like, it'll be a message that will pop up at the bottom of the screen, like, such and such did a thing. Such and such did a thing. But otherwise, they'll just be moving. And you'll know when they're there that you might or might not be in big trouble. Hmm. And there's some interesting concepts to these games that make them fairly... So that's, unique
1: that, and devious. so that's why these are called Mystery Dungeon, because mm. they are randomly generated maps and enemies and things like
0: it that. It goes a little beyond that even, too. Huh. So first thing, I'm going to finish that last point. So the enemy sometimes, like first thing, you might be under a floor, and there's like an enemy type that will eat other enemies and level up. So you can't see him, but you might just start seeing these messages pop up like such and such consumed demon leveled up. Such as a demon leveled up. You're like, oh my god, I gotta get out of here before this thing finds me. He's eating everything. And oh, it freaks you out. Um, you can enter a floor, and then when you show up, something called a monster house occurs. And it'll just be a room overstuffed with monsters. To the point where like you're pretty much gonna want to run because they will overwhelm you if you're not smart about how you fight them. Mm-hmm. So it's all random. Like you don't know. And the most devious aspect of these games to me. Is that early on, they always are like, you'll find items on the ground, like a weapon or a shield or like a herb or whatever for healing. And you'll pick it up and like, you got the bamboo sword or you got the medicinal herb. But the further you get in the game and the harder the levels are, eventually it'll start things like question
1: mark sword, question mark herb, question mark shield. You don't even know what it is. That is very roguelike because of the original rogue games, you would pick up items like potions were just called like Red Potion. In every game, that Red Potion could be doing something completely different. Yep. It might heal you in one game. It might turn you into a bunny rabbit in another game. That's what this does, yeah. too. Because, wow. like, you
0: might be in a situation where it's like, oh, crap, I'm going to die. but I eat this random herb. And the herb is just like, nah, this actually is the thing that kills you. And the herb will actually murder you. And <laughs> they all end up having names. That you can go eventually, like, you can get, like, appraisal scrolls, which are rare and special. Right. Or you can go to a location in a town if you find one in the dungeon. And they'll let you appraise all the stuff for you. Wow. And you'll be like, oh, whoa, good this, thing they need
1: that. That's a murder herb. This is more like Rogue than other roguelike games that I've heard of so far. Yeah, because yeah.
0: that's the trick. So, just like how Metroidvania just kind of lost its way, <laughs> we <laughs> talked about that a few episodes back, mm-hmm. roguelike did the same thing. The terms. The yeah. terms. They like yeah. they had a reasoning for what they were, and it worked for a while. And then over time, people just started willy-nilly using it to convey the loosest aspect of what it means. Wow. Like, the fact that people's call, people will call Hades a roguelike. I'm like... Okay, at this moment, I accept it. But is it really? No, this is roguelike.
1: Hades is like (laughs) roguelite. In fact, some people did start using that roguelite. Light. Sometimes I hear you say roguelike, I think that you're saying (laughs) roguelite. Which Um, I could be, depending. There's a really good um, podcast of retronauts um, that you can find all about rogue and roguelikes. And they get into the history of the original rogue game, like what it means. Like how the develop how the game was developed and like what rogue was then and what rogue likes are today and how it evolved. It's really really interesting.
0: Also, actually, I gotta correct myself on something. It's like, it's like langu- I totally games are like
1: language. It just evolves over time. I gotta correct myself on one thing though. I
0: realized that I actually, I actually did play one other rogue like before this. I just didn't know it was a rogue like. was that? Because it was my true first rogue like. That was Azure
1: Dreams on the PS One. Okay. Because, yeah, because this, cause though this came out originally in 95 on the Super Famicom, Super Famicom we, we didn't have a chance to play it.
0: Mm-hmm. It didn't come out here, so I didn't, we didn't get it until you well I after were Azure. we 15
1: years old, didn't have a Super Famicom.
0: That's correct. We didn't have a guy that knew how to pull pins out of carts. Um, <laughs> but in a sense, Azure Dreams was my true first one, and that game was crack for me. Yeah.
1: Literal crack. Very addictive, right? Like having something new every time and learning something new every time you play. Oh, we were watching... I told, I told you earlier, we had uh, my cousin Rachel over to watch uh, movies. Mm-hmm. We watched uh, Tom Cruise action movie called Edge of Tomorrow mm-hmm. um, w- in which it's this uh, weird future where aliens have invaded the earth. Oh, I remember that movie. Yeah. That and, and, watch for and, repeat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They changed the title in some area. Some, like, it was some, called Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah. Original. But like not everywhere they changed the title. Really? Yeah. 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 Like, like you, find, you find it on Amazon. It's still Edge of Tomorrow but um, yeah so he, he gets he's, he's out there fighting these monsters and then he gets killed and wakes up the next day I mean I'm sorry he wakes up the previous day and he has to do it over and over and over again and then eventually like he's he learns where all the monsters are going to be he learns how to save everybody um, but like that's just kind of like there's way more to it than that but as we were watching this looking at Rachel and I'm like this is a roguelike he keeps dying and learning how to do it better over and over and over again. I got to tell you, though, man. It's, that's, it's one of my favorite action movies.
0: <laughs> and I'm not, now I feel like I got to call Rachel and tell her this, too. Mm-hmm. But so, Edge of Tomorrow is a great movie, I thought. And it sounds like you guys
1: agree. Yeah. For being Tom Cruise, Damn. one. Yeah, it's all right. But, like, the whole movie itself was awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, I think that's a large part of why I like that anime Ray Zero so much, because when Ray Zero came about and I learned about what the premise of that show was, I was like, this is messed up. Like, Edge of Tomorrow does it in a cool way. Whereas, like, he's this guy. He's a trained soldier. He's not the best. He was kind of, like, new at the time. He was, like, a fledgling soldier. Yeah, no,
1: no, yeah. He's, he, he was dodging the draft, essentially. So he was, like, never trained. He yeah. was just, like, a guy. He was a
0: guy. <laughs> yeah. But he comes in. He goes through the paces. He gets killed. He comes back, and he starts getting better and stronger. And he maintains what he could
1: do. Like, when he died, he would come back, and he was always a little better, a little smarter. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that. We were like, oh, he's doing this so many times, but he never... Increases his muscle, maybe just his memory.
0: He and that's just it, because he can't. So Ray Zero's like that too. Mm -hmm. But the thing about that show is that the main character gets "quote unquote" Ezekai'd into an anime world, like a fantasy world. Mm. But this is a world with magic, dragons, and all this stuff—all the fun stuff. But he has none of it. He thinks he's got powers. He's got nothing. He can't use magic. He he has a little bit of like momentum ability because, like you know, just from. Like, I guess like some weird like transition thing and like some of the stuff he used to do back at home like he would train for wrestling so he had that but the thing that is both good and awful for him and what both drew but also really drew me to the show is like in Live Die Repeat whenever he dies he gets reset back to a save point and then he can try again to get it right mm. but he can't tell anyone that he's doing this but here's the sticky wicket that makes it actually suck He remembers everything, including the pain and the trauma. Yeah. So I remember watching like the first episode or two, and everyone's like, this is an amazing show, but you're going to love it. And I was watching, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this, man, because if they don't address the actual trauma was happening to him, I'm not going to be happy about this show. (laughs) Not because I want to see this guy suffer, but because... That's the reality of it. It's the reality of it. This is trauma. And the thing is, they go in on it like in a way where it's like I've never seen a show do this before
1: well that's interesting they, they touch on that in Edge of, Edge of Tomorrow because he's doing this, um, with, this with a super soldier he just he, he, he rescues and tries to do this all with mm-hmm. um, who's played by Emily Blount mm-hmm. and um, he ev- and so he's doing it over and over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times he has to watch her die over and over and over again and apparently she had the power before and that's why she was made a war hero um because she like she killed so many aliens or something but it's because oh, she I had,
0: forgot about that part. She, so she had the power
1: before. and she remembered somebody and she had to watch that person die over and over and over. So and they over bring again. it up
0: eventually in the movie where she's like he's like yeah, this yeah is. They,
1: it's just like touched on and almost like I mean, there's probably more to that maybe in the original script or something but like um but like yeah there's a whole part of the movie where he's like he spends a whole day where he like instead of going to fight and try to figure it out he gets on a motorcycle and just rides away and spends a day just drinking. And he's like, I'm not doing it today. I that. can't do it. I can't do it. And then, of course, the aliens come and invade Britain, and you know, he can't come ev- out there <laughs> Yeah, you can't escape it. But anyway, that's a cool movie. I'm gonna check out Ray Zero.
0: Yeah, I'm only gonna warn you though. I gotta warn you though. It is heavy. Like my coworker, former coworker, <laughs> her daughter was watching it, and uh I was like, How old? How old is your kid? And they were like, Well, oh, well, fifteen or or fifteen or so. I was yeah. Like, okay, well, I I get it, but I'm just letting you know. They haven't told you, but depending on what kind of stuff they watch, this gets really heavy. I don't yeah. know if you want your kid watching this. <laughs> the kid came into work a couple days later. I was like, so I hear you're watching Ring Zero. Has that messed you up yet? Has it messed you up yet? Because it messed me up, and I'm a grown man.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All right. So let's stop talking about anime, and we'll, we'll get on to it. Well, Edge of Tomorrow is essentially anime. Um, so we're going to get it. Well, actually, it was. It's based off of manga. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, back to the game, (laughs) back, back to the music. Back to the show. All right, right, so our next track is coming from the game Forty Six Okunin Monogatari, the Shinkaron, um, or Shinkaron, which uh, translates to the story of five billion six hundred million years, the evolution theory, which is the prequel to the game for the Super Nintendo Evo, the Search for Eden. Oh, okay. Um so maybe not the prequel, but like that was based on this game, which came out on the PC eighty-eight mm-hmm. back in nineteen ninety. We're gonna listen to we're gonna listen to the ending theme. Keep it on this kind of keep on the down keep it on this on this kind of style of music here. Uh, composed by Koichi Sugiyama again for the PC I'm sorry, the PC ninety eight oh one using the Yamaha twenty two oh three synthesizer. That was, uh, <laughs> that was the ending theme. The ending theme to 46 Okunin Manigatari, the Shinka Ran, um, composed by Koichi Sugiyama for the PC-9801 computer system using the YM-2203 sound chip. <laughs> so um, some some interesting information. So this is a, a side-scrolling it's a it's a side-scrolling action game except that it kind of tells a mythical story like a, like a fake story of evolution on earth okay so you start as like you start as like fish and protozoa and then you become dinosaurs and as you're fighting other other monsters and enemies there are other animals and you earn evolution points
0: so this really <laughs> so you said this came about after um. Evo. This came after Evo.
1: No, so this came out in 1990. Um, Evo was then released on the Super Nintendo um, in uh, 1992 in Japan. That's so one of my games where like, I
0: regret not ever playing it because <laughs> it comes up in a lot of dialogues for retro like games you have to play on
1: the Super, yeah, and I, I never got a chance definitely to. Definitely a really different title. So it was called Evo, The Search for Eden um, in North America. The music is the uh, same soundtrack composed by Koichi Sugiyama, but it was adapted for the Super Nintendo by Motowaki Takanoichi. Oh, okay. Um, who happened to be a student of Sugiyama, which I did not realize. So that, that's very interesting to me. Uh, Motowaki Takanoichi doing some of our favorite music from the game, Fantasy Star. Yes, my for man. For uh, Sega
0: Genesis. Cybernetic Carnival.
1: But yeah, definitely uh, Takanoichi on more of that proggy, prog rock you know, jazzy tip. Um, yeah, Fancy Star Four is one of my top boys. Oh, me too. It's, that's an incredible soundtrack. Where um, uh, Sugiyama is definitely on like this grand fantasy classical. It definitely has like a like a symphonic feel to all, all of this music. Does like like we're hearing a synthesizer, but I'm also hearing what he oh, wants to be. Yeah, what he wants to be either like a horn section. This this could be like. Uh, Right there. This this could be flutes, you know? I'm just doing
0: that. I wasn't Martin.
1: expecting this one to get you dancing.
0: A it's a that- I <laughs> <laughs> uh, So you don't own this one. <laughs> You're like, Yo, oh,
1: this I mean, you don't own this one? You are like you do not own this you do not own this one for the, the Evo, for the Super Nintendo. It's just such an oddball kind of title mm-hmm. that I, I just assumed that it's something you would, you would it's, have.
0: It's something I would totally have got. Like, if it mm. was released on the eShop today as a brand new game, I'd have probably day one bought it and then threw it into the backlog. But... <laughs> I am interested in that kind of stuff It's just back then I didn't have the cash I had what I could and now that I could play I just never had never made the time Hmm. but I want to try it just haven't got a chance but the idea behind it seems awesome and I'm into that kind of stuff like that's why there was one game called Tokyo Jungle which didn't really involve evolution but it was still the idea of like you're an animal and you have to deal with you know other creatures on the planet how do you interact with them (laughs) you know do you eat them do you run from them you know like I love that kind of stuff which, for the record, if you happen to have access to a PlayStation 3, still, whomp,
1: whomp, um, buy Tokyo Jungle. It's still worth it. <laughs> All right, so this was the game that had um, another track in it called uh, Sugiya or Sugiyama Man, but it's called Sugiyama Man. Sugiyama Man? Yeah, and it is a... Th- it's in the game i wonder if it is like if you evolve your character to human maybe it plays this music i don't i don't know the game well enough for sure where this plays but this is definitely um a theme from uh dragon quest so i'm gonna play it now this is a track called sugiya man um that's in the game uh 46 okunin monogatari for the pc 98 So it's all <laughs> messed up, though. I like what Game that got kind of
0: stuff. But this is definitely the Dragon Quest Overture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I but,
1: like this. But it sounds... It's, it's, it's the Dragon Quest Overture that's, like, falling apart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this, this harkens me back to the... I'll uh, uh, tell you about back in the day about how the Lunar games worked with the dancers. Yeah. How all the dancers had, like, the normal dance theme, but then the one that was really bad at... No, The singers. But the one really bad singer, yes, had the terrible, like butchered version of it. That gives me this vibe right here, like you like the guys, like you're going to see the orchestra. Everyone says you're great, but I don't know And they go up there. and put like this is horrible. Who likes this? Yeah,
1: I forget which episode it was, but it was a it was a month or so ago that we played them back to back. I thought that was so funny.
0: It makes me wonder. I don't think this exists really, but I would like it. It would take forever, or unless people contributed, but a list of games. That had tracks that were intentionally composed to sound bad. Mm. Not tracks that people thought were bad. But intentionally Intentionally bad. made to sound
1: quote-unquote bad. <laughs> that is interesting. I would be very curious to know about that. Um, not usually what I do looking for bad music.
0: Oh, yeah, but the thing about it is, like, <laughs> it's not, that's what it's weird. Like, it's not. Also, not, it's not I, actually bad because, like, the track you right. just
1: played, right? Right, which is, I think, this Knowing- is obvious, but you have to know a lot about the composer or the game itself to know that in this section it's supposed to be weird. Well, I
0: see about the uh, game. Maybe not the composer, but at least the game. Yeah. Because, like, again, the Lunar thing, you wouldn't know mm-hmm. if you hadn't played it. But having played it, it's like this actually sounds good because it's bad intentionally right. it works but if you were like here check out this cool track I've been listening to <laughs> la 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 like whoa is this, what is
1: wrong with you <laughs> I forgot that was so funny it's great alright so we're on to your uh, track number th- three and this is a challenge yeah. because I wrote down
0: four tracks and I never chose Uh so I am going to take a shot in the dark um oof Okay. I'll try one, and if this sucks, I'm going to just switch it, and
1: I'll call the other (laughs) track when we come back. All right, all right. So we'll just. just, uh, It could be a switcheroo for the listeners. Maybe a -a switcheroony, but what you got?
0: For now, we're going to go with Dragon Quest IX Sentinels of the Starry Sky. This is Swirling Desire, composed by Koichi Sugiyama. Back, you're listening to Swirling Desire from porridge? Dragon Quest. Oh, delicious porch <laughs> from from Dragon Quest Nine: Sentinels of the Starry Sky on the Nintendo DS. Mm. And I stuck with the track because Rob was like, "That sounds good." And I, I, I like wonder it. if he was just like, "No, I don't want to look for another track." So we're going to keep this Cooper head and okay, a little bit of both, <laughs> a little column A, a little column
1: break. I, just, I think this is really dynamic because there's so many like little parts to this that are flying in and out. It's it's just it's very orchestral in, in like the best way.
0: It's a spoiler alert, so narrative-wise, from the games I've played through, mind you, because I still can go back and play a number of Dragon Quest games, I feel like Dragon Quest VIII is my favorite. But as far as overall gameplay experience that I've had so far... No, keep in mind also, Dragon Quest XI, I heard, might give 8 a run for his money. I need to get back to that. But as far as like gameplay and experience goes, Dragon Quest IX, hands down, was my favorite one. Like, i played this game to death. To death. And it even had like an online mode you can play with your friends. Like, Mike and I, I used to travel to like the Virginia to like Best Buy for like Dragon Quest events that they would have at the Best Buy stores to trade maps with other players. Oh, wow. And then drive back to, De- to Delaware. Like, I was obsessed with this game and I still have my file. My character type, my main character was a barbarian. Named Red Sonia, um, like from the old like '80s like movie. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh she fought with um uh, Conan. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like that was my thing. That like, was like a barbarian named Red Sonia, and uh, just not quad nine or triple nine damage all over the place with this character. I had like a cool build for her and everything. I loved this game. I can't gush about it enough. And I'd be happy to see this get a hit back on like the Nintendo Switch with some added content or something.
1: I don't. There's know. A, there's a lot of games. I feel like the DS was like your system, like the first Nintendo DS. You were just all about it. I was. And to this, I still will. Like I, it's hard to go
0: back to old systems sometimes when you're because between me already buying games as a collector type and doing lots of reviews, mm-hmm. it's hard to go back to old stuff just because time's not there. But with that said, when I can squeeze it in oh, I'm all back on this. I'm playing Metroid Fusion now off of the 3DS Ambassador program, so I'm using it for that. I picked up Sheer and the Wanderer again because of this episode. And quite frankly, I did look into this game again to see if my save file still worked um, because of this episode also. And it still works. But the DS, I still think... I've had this chat with some friends recently. Like, What's your favorite Nintendo system right now? And I have a I've, I I want to lean into the Switch so hard, even though people give me this guff about oh clearly the Super Nintendo. I'm like, let's stop letting nostalgia talk for you. All right, <laughs> it's not the Super Nintendo, despite it being really good. Like I want to say it's the Switch, but in my heart of hearts,
1: uh, no, we you know what it I is. I
0: wanted to be the DS with the well, most notably the 3DS, because the 3DS has the DS library as well as the DS library. It's the combination.
1: Yeah, but like if you go back. I think the majority of games that you loved and probably put the most most amount of time What's into was, the, was the original Nintendo DS. Oh, wholeheartedly, hands yeah. down.
0: But when you do the whole favorite console thing, you got to look at the what it brings to the table. And if it can let you play both multiple consoles, including the one that you loved, loved,
1: you gotta, know, got to give it to the it. The game that console that I probably played the, put the most amount of hours into, but only had like nine games for it. It was the Radio Shack Pong System 2. Hey, what? Had about four or five different game modes. Were they
0: all pong? They
1: were all pong. I'm just joking. No, no. you're not. You're dead serious. No, I, I, I see. D- oh yeah, I owned a few of these things. <laughs> <when> <laughs> we <were laughs> I kids. see your face. No, yeah, because um, uh, it just was just two paddles you can connect it to the to the to the RF switch behind the TV, and um, it was a one player, two player, um, one player controlling two paddles. Um, oh. there was a hockey mode where instead of like getting it to one side, you actually had to get it into like a little little goal. It got me it's thinking good. You got me
0: thinking again about like how old we are compared to some of our listeners. Like how many of our, <laughs> our listeners remember when you had to take a screwdriver and unscrew two <laughs> two right. screws from the back of your TV and then jam two forks behind them and screw it back in in yeah. order
1: to connect your system to the television set. Yeah, that's, that's where the uh, the antenna was, and so you hooked up your uh, your game console to where the antenna would go into. Yep. And you could play uh, You could play Atari.
0: <laughs> there was something really surprising and just cool about the thoughts. Like to hook up a game console, you used to have a new screwdriver. <laughs> to hook up a game machine. Yeah. And you're just or, jamming
1: cords into thing. Or that the back of the NES only had two. It didn't have stereo. It only had the one um, uh, 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 audio the s- output. Mm-hmm. So if you looked at the back of the other TVs, you had left-right channel and video. This one, you had video in one channel. <laughs> <laughs> Some people took splitters to that too.
0: I don't know how ASCII ultimately worked. In the it descent. would just
1: split it out to two different. It would just... It, would just it reti- couldn't
0: differentiate which one. Yeah, were. it
1: would just reduce the signal by half and you'd have to just turn the volume up. Nah. That's, that's That's how that would work. I would imagine that too, unless like the splitter had like some kind of power to it I don't but
0: know. But you couldn't tell me that as a kid cuz we're all at friends house like we're going to bop to Christos do 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 do. Oh, is yeah. I, w- I stereo. wish it was. Stereo.
1: It wasn't until like that sound chip was used in the uh the Game Boy that it was in stereo, so.
0: I also kind of wonder now like did I'm the sound chip, did the so. update I have to look into his I didn't own one, but I wonder if the updated NES had stereo or if it was mono up until Super Nintendo came along.
1: Um, it would have been mono because they would not have... Yeah, even if it, even if the, the console could produce stereo sound, the games weren't... The, the sound chip could not produce stereo sound. Oh, the sound chip couldn't. No. So
0: even if they were like, hey, now this new NES can handle it, future game carts can do
1: it. Yes. They still couldn't do it because the sound chip couldn't handle it. Right, because the music wasn't... It's not like they recorded the audio and stored it on, um, on the cartridge. Mm-hmm. They recorded like, the game data.
0: Oh, and it was run through the sound. And chip the data ran the through sound. the
1: synthesizer, and the synthesizer played the music, right? It's a very. It, it was just what makes game music so, especially older game music from the eighties and nineties, so unique. You know, it was like it was being played off of a synthesizer on the machine. It wasn't recorded synthesizers then played like playback. You know, this is the rhythm of pixels, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. I can tell you, it's just it's interesting to me, and and I love the way that it evolved from there. But and some of this amazing music from Koichi Sugiyama relevant bringing it back (laughs) bring it old school Um, but I think
0: it's like it should be interesting it's It's so
1: good at using it like like people classically trained in all sorts of um, other other media formats coming in and then writing music and composing music for these tiny little sound chips that could produce like four sounds at one time incredible stuff like they, they worked with the limitations way better than anybody else
0: I yeah, love I love it I, I, love it. I, I just honestly it's, I always think it's amazing In the sense that like I can't describe The stuff like you do But you can go into You can go into depth I'm just like Tinky tinky beat bops Um But then the travel will Be like Let hey, me talk about This wacky game Where you eat pancakes For hit points
1: And you're like The what? Well that's the thing I mean these games Probably are like Where you eat pancakes For hit points I just don't know that <laughs> <All right. laughs> Because I haven't Played the games <laughs> It's too much I just don't know them Alright so we're gonna Get into um, our last track Here uh, of uh, my set Um if I can find it again. This is from Tetris2slash Bombless for the Super Famicom. We're going to listen to Music 6, which is also the stage clear music and the all stage clear music composed by Koichi Sugiyama. listening to uh, Background Music 6 from the game Tetris 2 plus Bomb Bliss. Um, this is not the Super Famicom version, I'm sorry. This is the Famicom version. The Super Famicom version it was produced by Bulletproof Software, um, which has made some awesome soundtracks with composers that I don't know the names to. <laughs> but they are definitely not Koichi Sugiyama. This is a beautiful song. I like it. Um, there's, a, there's a section coming up that I'm just obsessed with where it harmonizes. Right here. That's so cool. Like a good lullaby. Yeah, it is. it's kind of a sleepy time sound. Now bump those
0: bumps! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bump oh, first. it first.
1: And then it goes up. Right? It's, it's longer for for a famicom track. Right here. Put you down to sleep now, purr, now you are so tired. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> that's a, oh, that's such a beautiful song. Um so this is so I thought this was also ending music, but it's actually just background music six. So this is the the sixth background music. I don't know if you can change the background music as you play. I'm
0: gonna assume this is like old Tetris game like the other Tetris where you pick the background music before you start. Yeah, this isn't like you know, final boss, Tetris style. <laughs> you know, it plays this. I, I can't now you got me wondering how a, how a Tetris boss battle would work. I, I guess it would be. I mean, the, the typical idea would be versus like two mm-hmm. different players on the left and right. But there's ways to get around. Like, like you could have like a monster living inside of like the Tetris box, and you're like you're trying to hit brick lines around it to hit it and do damage. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. And at the same time, he's like attacking you by launching like angry blocks up. Like you could have an avatar at the top of the screen, and he's trying to launch blocks up to stop him from yeah. like moving the pieces around. The
1: there screen. have been so many variations on Tetris; I'm sure that exists somewhere. Yes, not someone's missing the book. Yeah. There was a um, so there was a version I had. It was on a shareware disk, like floppy disk. I used to play on my old PC, like way back in the '90s. It was called Da Da, and it was like super, super, super customizable Tetris but mixed with columns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so columns, it was like uh, little columns of... Or three, diamonds. Uh, or uh, gems, right? Yeah, gems. Like three... There are essentially three blocks of different colors, and they'll like, kind of line up the colors mm-hmm. to knock them out. In this game, it was Tetris shapes, but different colors in the blocks. And so you can play... You can knock them out line by line, or you can lock, knock them out by the colors that you lined up as well. So I kind of combined the two games. Yeah, and then also you can change... Like how wide the field was, you can change how many variations of blocks. were gonna come down to sizes of the blocks. You can play huh. straight columns or straight Tetris. No, it was such it was such an old school game. It was using like the old ASCII like characters to do it. So it pulled the dynamic two games in one before Puyo Puyo Tetris did it. Uh, probably, but it was but it was actually playing it at one time rather than like swapping it as you played. But I I remember it because I, I was talking about it on one of the Discord servers. I think it was. On the VG Embassy Discord server, and Keyglyph actually went out and found it on the uh, uh, the Internet Archive because I looked for it. But looking for a game that's just the two letters DA is yeah, good very luck. difficult to do. Um, so maybe she knew about it, and she was like, "Hey, I found it for you." And I was like, "Wow, awesome, I Miss Keeglyth! Is she even in this scene anymore?" Um, she was doing Twitch stuff for a long time, but I kind of kind of lost track of that.
0: I mean, she was good people's, but she also had a habit of like not giving out too much detail for contact info Yeah,
1: under the grid, as it were. Yeah, which I, I understand. I respect that. Oh, oh, you better believe it. 100%. But there's two, two people who live online. Oh, yeah. I got to respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so this is a nice sleepy track. Time to turn this one down. I
0: think it's actually funny because I
1: was like, I did come from the gym, mind you, but still, I'm like, yawning. <laughs> the track is doing its job. <laughs> You're getting all sleepy over there. Um, so we're going to get into our part of our show that we call the bonus round. Oh, don't yawn. Please don't yawn. It's getting close to 10 o'clock. Um, the, the bonus round is where we play covers and remixes based on our theme. And uh, so we're going to be listening to covers and arrangements and all that stuff related to the composer Koichi Sugiyama. What you got? Well, I got a track that will hopefully wake us up. Um, and it will co- haunt you forever. <laughs> no, 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 no. What is it?
0: Um, this comes from the game Dragon Quest Eight: Journey of the Cursed King. Uh, this is a remix, or rather a metal cover of the Dolmagus theme. Dolmagus. And Dolmagus, like dol, not like dol bananas, but it <laughs> should be like dol bananas because those are delicious. But no, Dolmagus, composed by or done by Hydrogene. 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 Hydrogen. Metal cover of the Dolmagus battle theme from the game Dragon Quest 8 Journey of the Cursed King, covered by Hydrogene, originally composed by Koichi Sugiyama. Uh, this is like I like I mentioned earlier how like Dragon Quest 8 was like my favorite narrative game, and that stands true today up until Dragon Quest XI hopefully takes the throne. I don't know, uh, but. I was a big fan of this. I was a big fan of all the characters and how well and how well they interact with each other. I love the fact that this was the game that pretty much cemented Dragon Quest as this series that, for whatever reason, decided to have a British dialect for all of its characters. So did they not have it until this one? Yeah, because it was the first one where they actually had like di- spoken words, spoken mm. dialogue. So prior to this, no, no, because the DS wasn't really a thing at the time this came out. It existed, but it wasn't like, I don't think the Dragon Quest ports came yet. Mm. Uh, but in future games, there were ports like the DS, even though they didn't have spoken text, they still had that weird like dialect where they would have like words broken out in like in a way where they're trying to make it read like they want them to sound. Mm. Uh, but in this game, they actually had spoken. This is the first one where they actually spoke their lines. And like the main one, of the, the main character's friend Yangus would come up to him all and be like, "Hey, there, Gov. What you got going over with this?" And you're like, "What the what? Is this intentional? Did they just hire like a British vocal company or something for the company to come in and do the voice work?" Yeah, right, right, going. right.
1: Because it's a very like anime, like Japanese style of artwork in the game, so it's probably very.
0: And it was it was weird, but yeah, I strange. love it now. I've seen people complain, but I'm like, no, keep the Britishness <laughs> coming. And then future games. Did the same thing. Like it wasn't like a one-off shot. Future Dragon Quest games characters had the same type of style of speech. I guess it just stuck, right? In the best way because I loves it. I loves it, and it also makes it stand out because I was mm-hmm. talking. To, we were talking earlier about how when games started incorporating voice actors, mm-hmm. characters just started sounding the same across multiple games. You could you could tell them apart. That's like yeah. that was like one of the yeah, main a- benefits to subs and games. Because, yeah, you didn't know what they were saying and you needed the subtitles, but the voices could still convey emotion. And since you didn't know the dialogue or the dialect, you couldn't patch two voices together. You couldn't say this person is also this person. It's just, here's a Japanese person. Here's a Japanese person. <laughs> and I'm reading the subs, you know. But when you know what they're saying and you can understand it, it's easier to go, that's the exact same person I can tell,
1: you know. Yeah, it's interesting also, the one uh, the in the continuities for, for these earlier titles... Um, it probably the the, the the talent pool probably wasn't as great because, you know, video games as a medium isn't what it is today mm-hmm. as it was back then. Yeah. Uh, the first game that I ever played with voice acting was Sam and Max Hit the Road on the PC. Mm-hmm. And it was um, I first played it, started playing it and there was um no, there was just all text and it was goofy, fun point and click adventure game. But then um, uh, Chris Smith had it, and he he, he uh, gave me the discs, and it had voice acting in it, and it was it blew my mind that they actually talked and like every all the jokes, all the silliness like landed. And that's another
0: example of a of a thing where the delivery makes the jokes better because really I never helped. played the
1: games, mm-hmm. but
0: I watched the Sam and Max cartoon that was short lived on Fox. Very,
1: very similar voices too, yeah, and the delivery yeah. on that made it so good. It's like a Weird, weird series. All right, so. Um, our next track is from the game uh, Shirin the Wanderer, Fear I Know Shirin, special arranged version. This is hey. uh, composed by Koichi Sugiyama and then arranged for uh, orchestra by uh, Koichi Sugiyama. We are going to be listening to... Um, actually, I am not entirely sure the <laughs> title of this track. The Koichis. <laughs> um I'll have to piece it together. I do have the track list from um, uh, VGM uh, database online, but the 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 whole album itself is ripped to YouTube in one one long shot, so it's hard to tell which is which. But I'll figure that out, and we're listening to the track now. This is um, from Shirin the Wanderer" by Koichi Sugiyama. <laughs> Yes, that was the Monster House music. Thank you, Pranel. You're welcome. (laughs) From uh, Shirin the Wanderer, Fiorai no Shirin special arranged version composed by Koichi Sagayama and arranged by Koichi Sugiyama. And that was a shakuhachi uh, traditional Japanese flute.
0: And it's interesting, too. Like, I
1: I love the fact that they started playing. It's like, wait a minute. That's the Monster House. <laughs> that's a track I almost picked I as the other version. I was, like, pulling up, like, the track list. I'm like, okay, which one is it? And you're like, Monster House. I knew it. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I chose that one because it was the funkiest track on the album. Loved it. Loved it's, every second of that. And it's the most
0: tense, too, because I explained with my, how monster houses work. Yeah, I had no idea. That, that's really interesting. They can kill a run just like that, If you, mm. especially if you warp onto a floor inside of one. Sometimes you'll land on a tile that will teleport you into a monster house mm. flat out. You're like, oh, this is bad. I can't get out. <laughs> so you better hope you have an escape item handy or you're going to die.
1: Well, for more information on the bonus round, go to rhythmandpixels.com and make sure you have an escape item handy. We'll have links to their SoundClouds and BandCamps and everywhere you can go and find the music and support all of these artists. I wanna thank you for joining us. On this episode of 30 1 of Rhythm and Pixels, this is the music of Koichi Sugiyama. Fantastic music all around, yeah, by the way. A wood, lot right. of good stuff. Um, so, we played only like a handful of Dragon Quest tracks today. Which is
0: kind of nice, too, because you got to figure, I, I want to say at least 50% of this catalog
1: is Dragon Quest. A lot of music, a lot of the arrangements and orchestrations and all that stuff is Dragon Quest. So the fact that we were able to pull what we did
0: feels good. Like I feel like it, it does a does a better service towards the overall catalog that was brought to offer throughout this career.
1: Yeah, I feel like we we represented the, the Sugiyama man, the, Su- <laughs> Su- the
0: Sugiyama beat.
1: Um, yeah. So um, if you like what you're hearing, um, and you want to uh, to let us, uh...
0: <laughs> clearly the pumpkining has occurred.
1: Oh, that's what happens. Uh, anyway, um, uh, if, you, if you like what you're hearing and if you have a track suggestion, a topic suggestion, if you want to let us know how we're doing, if you, how we could do better, let Purnell know, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Purnell can take it. Address it to Purnell, but you can send it to our email address. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And then if you want to know uh, a full track listing for my episode and uh, full access to all of our episodes and everything else that's happening, go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. Check us out on youtube.com slash Rhythmandpixels. We have a 24-7 uh, vgm radio station playing nothing but 8-bit and 16-bit classics and deep cuts and you check us out on facebook and instagram and twitter you can look us up as rhythm and pixels all one where my dog is freaking out What she's doing um and then if you have a discord check us out on discord uh i'm gonna go check the doggy real quick yeah
0: that's weird
1: yeah everything's fine someone was just outside walking their dog which made my dog upset. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're not walking me. I don't like this. Um, if you want pictures of my dog, go to Discord, our Discord server, which is at the top of our website, rhythmandpixels.com. And if you want to help support the show, the best thing you can do is just tell people about it or hit the subscribe button um, and just listen to the show and enjoy the show. That's all we really ask. Um, if you'd like some cool stuff about the show, like t-shirts that you can like put on your body with our names on it, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com/slash merch. And on our merch page, we have all sorts of cool t-shirts and hoodies and long sleeves and tank tops and all sorts of crazy stuff um, with the, the podcast logo, with video game um, sound team logos on them, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, even, even some in-jokes from the show, um, like uh, Lobster Racing, that you can check out there um, and Rhythm versus Pixels. Uh, no, no, it was a TGIF shirt versus Capcom. You can check that I one out I still wear
0: that shirt regularly.
1: Um, so yeah, and actually I have um, a handful of shirts here um, for a giveaway that we're going to do very, very soon. Um, one is the first test printing of the original Classic Logo shirt. Ooh. Um, one is a misprinting of the Run VGM shirt. And the other one is the Proto Rhythm and Pixels shirt that um, my nephew made. Um, I think that would be kind of a cool thing. Uh, which is <laughs> is that the rock, the keytar? Yeah, that's me with a keytar and <laughs> our, in our old old logo on the shirt. There, you're on there too. Um, so yeah, we'll be giving those away um, pretty soon. Probably do that um, through our uh, through an episode uh, contest. So we have a few shirts there to give away. <sighs> uh, uh, yes, I know. And we could also uh, you can also support us uh, by going to Patreon at Patreon.com/slash RhythmAndPixels. You get access to. Um, uh, exclusive content, exclusive monthly content, weekly content, um, cool stuff like stickers and mugs and more T-shirts, and we also like to thank all of our uh, Patreon members at the highest levels at the end of every episode. So we like to thank Frankly Zappa, uh, Kristen, Mike Myers, Alf Peterson, Fashion Eighty Sixty, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Warma, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes Three Podcast, Chris Wisner, aka Musashi Two One Nine. Um, didn't he celebrate a birthday recently?
0: Yeah, do even now. You got me wondering. Um,
1: I've been so
0: focused on my own maybe happy
1: late or early birthday, Chris Weisner, uh, Christopher Shenstrom, Davy Cakes, David Taylor, Harold Howard, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio. Check him out on xvgmradio.com I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Uh, Michael Bridgewater from Forever Sound Version, uh, VGM Podcast, also. Uh, me breeze 64 kicking out the demo scene tunes on twitch that you never knew you wanted in your life um rage cage reinhardt selkova sleepy s'more steve miller taco the autistic gamer 89 and ed wilson from the vg embassy um what's up ed
0: Hi. hi we're doing a show soon
1: yeah, that's right. Pernal's uh, uh, tagging along. Is that what's happening. You're, 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 you're jumping. You're invading the embassy. I'm invading the embassy as a spy,
0: and also that should be the narrative. Um, <laughs> but also, he's coming on here eventually. We just got to coordinate it. That's right. We
1: just got to set that up. So pretty soon, we're gonna have a lot of crossover with the VG Embassy, which I'm really excited about because we missed. Uh, Retro World this year. Yeah. I said we didn't, but we're going
0: to because I think they actually are doing it in like another week or two. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm not going. But
0: that's what I'm saying. We're (laughs) going to miss it, but we haven't technically missed it yet. But we're
1: going to. Not super excited about that level of crowds. Um, But maybe next year. But like, yeah, I mean, uh, the past two years we've been going to to visit Ed and and, and see Retro World up there. So I kind of missed that time. Um, So we'll be doing that soon. Fingers Um, crossed next year that can happen. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, I, I'm still not super sure about MagFest. But anyway, thank you to all of these Patreon members and many, many more uh, for your continued support of just our show and what we do in every week. So um, we haven't picked a topic for next week, have we?
0: Not yet, because we had to shift the potential one, but we can come up with something.
1: Oh, we can come up with something real good. I bet you I can do it right now. Pine cones. Uh, well I
0: guess technically We still could do Our variation of
1: Monsters well, we could start We can We can kick off the the, the the October Which we usually do We usually do our own topic Before we have our Patreon episode So maybe we could do that Yeah Let's do that Alright next week is Monsters Robin Purnell Monsters Monsters, ah, monsters. Real monsters <laughs>
0: ah! <laughs> Okay actually, now I think, I'm thinking about that
1: That's right And our Patreon episode um, Will be A little late this month might have been early, but it's not. It's going to be late, so it'll actually be the month of October. Patreon episode will be in the month of November, and it will be
0: like November, like that first week.
1: Monster, so. yeah, like that first week of November, but it'll be all about monsters.
0: Monsters doing,
1: doing the monster mash. So the we'll cover
0: for the episode just be Paul Anka, and only like <laughs> two people will get the joke.
1: <laughs> I'll uh, that'll be this week. Just just I'll just keep photoshopping Paul Anka all over. <laughs> it'll be like Sim City, so Paul Anka City. Yes. Um Okay, so um, thanks for listening to the show this far, and I hope you enjoyed all of the music of Koichi Sugiyama. I know I did. Oh, it was a great time. Um, oh, I want to plug um, Hammock, KVGM Radio. Hammock! Just like I'm loving I'm loving what he's doing. It's just been... I'm loving what he's doing. Um, every episode, killing
0: it. Yeah, he's good. Killing it. funny thing is I'm actually getting more VGM podcasts in than I used to because it ends up happening honestly the messenger is for some reason his timing has been good like he always catches me either as i'm about to go for a drive to the (laughs) arcade yeah or as i'm about to cook dinner Mm -hmm. which i'm like you know well it just popped up and i'm going to be listening to an oven simmer for an hour so i may as well just listen to this podcast when
1: these shows come out is super important to like it like us the, the listener right like um, I forget which show I, I got really really into maybe it was the Legacy Music Hour but they used to release on a specific day I think it was like a Thursday or a Tuesday and I looked forward to that day and it was the perfect timing because then I was like oh I have th- I have a commute you know so I get to listen to it these days which is why I chose Wednesdays for this show really because I thought it's not on a Monday it's not on a Friday it's not going to conflict with other shows and it's something that's like a special day to look forward to You can dig that I thought someone's going to be like bam Rhythm and Pixels Wednesdays
0: I like I, if that is a person who does that. Let us know I that so. too, because I hope that's helping your day does, get a little does bit. Does the better. day
1: of the week help? I mean, it, well, actually, no. We no. The day we've recorded changed. The day we release has always been Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that's a good
0: day. Let's keep it that way.
1: Yeah, Wednesday's a good day. Hump day. And remember, humping with Wednesday's is a great day. <laughs> that might
0: just be it because true. <laughs> uh,
1: but anyway, uh, thanks for listening. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pruneau, and I'm a pumpkin. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh right, and remember. oh my god! No, I was joking. I was like, oh. "No, and remember was going to be Wednesday." But now, nah, actually, and remember could be a 2 folder really just different aspects of things. Which is one, the idea of games being hard. Um, like,
1: did that come up again?
0: No, it came up during the episode, in the sense, like, because of roguelikes. Oh right, right. Uh, is the idea that a game. Games don't always necessarily have to be completed to be consumed to the fullest, really. Which includes also the aspect of like delving into a game that involves a hefty challenge. Sometimes it's not about just beating the game or feeling like you got from beginning to end of it or whatever. Sometimes it's just about the idea of like just honestly just running your head into a wall to see how far you can get into it before you just get tired of it and stop and then you get up and you do it again. Roguelikes are a perfect example of that because, again, I can't think of too many roguelikes that I've ever seen the end of. Mm-hmm. But the attempts you make and the experiences you have as you attempt to make that dive, that monster just crept out of the bushes when you didn't expect him. He just knocks all your items out. That's a story. And I didn't see the end of the game, but I think I enjoyed more telling the story about how that monster blindsided me over the... I saw the credits. It was cool. You know? Sometimes, it's all, sometimes the failure is the activity, and the failure... Is the fun? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like you could t- we'll have, we can drink at a bar. You like, print out, tell me about the, your biggest failing in the game, or the, the the worst, roughest death, or unexpected death you had in the game, and I'll go to town. Like, hear this crap. Like, but that's the fun. Um, so there's that. But I guess then the other thing was just the idea of a. Uh, We listened to the music of Koichi Sugiyama today. We mentioned earlier in the show that the guy had some rough takes. Yeah. So fairly rough takes. uh, And yet we still appreciated the music that he put out. Uh, What that means is that, in a sense, even though it obviously varies by candidate and person evaluating said candidate, but for the most part it never hurts to consider the idea of being able to separate art from artist. Mm-hmm. Um, The It's really, really tough to try to get that level of flat dichotomy laid out for that kind of evaluation. There's a really good episode of The Good lines that lies, in, lies into that. and I, When I saw that, I was like, oh my god, they're saying what I've been saying, but they make it funny! <laughs> um, but yeah, Essentially, we do our best, but at the same time, sometimes you just got to go with it. Just separate the two,
1: and it's okay to acknowledge the good while admonishing the bad. Mm. We're getting a getting a double double, and remember, and and a little uh, dig for Rob to watch the good place. You better believe it. That's one of the best shows ever made. Eventually, get back.
0: (laughs) Get on it, man! It's so good.